and welcome to Mash Mouth, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, so you have a little, I guess, gripe about the new intro of MASH now that um, Mike Farrell and Harry Morgan are added to the cast list. Yes, I have a, I have a bit of a gripe, just this very minor one, because unlike you, I have not seen the whole show. I've, I'm very new to this era of the MASH program, and them having... Just a slightly new intro is weirding me out, like, watching it. I'm like, it's more or less the same. They've only changed, like, maybe three or four shots and very, like, small little additions, you know, to have uh, BJ there instead of uh, Trapper. And obviously the names are different, but that's that's a given. But it's just different enough where if, like, if I was watching this on TV, I would be like, oh... What season in this is this? And I would like not know until I saw the intro with these slight adjustments. And uh, anytime that a, a TV show like a sitcom changes its intro, I do always like it. But I'm also like, okay, what season is this when I'm like actually watching those episodes like on regular TV? Like you can clock what season of like Friends stuff is based on, like, the clips in the intro. And that's something that I like, but also just as someone who likes things a certain way, let's say, it also just can can annoy me because I'm like, it's different. I don't like how it's different. Um, Do you have any any intros that you could think of that have changed over time that kind of stick in your head? Well, I think that every season of Frasier had, like, a slightly different little... Because the intro of Frasier was very simple and just had the skyline of Seattle in a very mm-hmm. cute little like drawn type of thing with Fraser on the bottom. I think every every season was a different color and every season had something else like kind of going on in that little really like fun. tiny animation thing um, of the skyline of Seattle. So it was really cool that it was the same but also just slightly different depending on the season. And then also Cheers actually changed their intro. Um, Not entirely, but as characters got added and taken away from the main cast, they had different like drawings and characters for each of the names added to the cast. So that was also really fun to see. Um, Those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. That's fun. I do like when logos get updated. Like the the Seinfeld logo changes every season. Mm -hmm. And it's very like subtle. Because that does kind of tell a story. Like, I know season eight, which was intended to be the last season of the show, but they got renewed for season nine afterward, is like a checkered flag denoting that it's the end of the show. (laughs) And I like that kind of thing. And then season nine is space because it goes beyond, apparently, according to Jerry (laughs) Seinfeld. Um, That kind of thing is like my favorite kind of adjustment to a sitcom intro. (laughs) Yeah, that's cute. I think that... um... The MASH intro, like, doesn't even phase me anymore because the way I watched the show originally as a kid, it was always just, like, jumping around between, like, the first three seasons and the rest of the show. So I was Mm -hmm. always just in tune with the the little differences of each, like, the before era and then the after era kind (laughs) of thing. Um, So, yeah, so I never, like, it didn't even clock to me that it was really, like, 
would be different for you. So that's interesting that you're like still kind of getting used to it. If anything, this new intro is the normal intro and the one before it is like the weird intro because it just goes on for so much longer now. That's true. That's very true. So after the intro, we should get into the actual episode. (laughs) (laughs) Much like a real episode of MASH. (laughs) (laughs) So in this episode, hey doc, Hawkeye and BJ call in several favors and work some blackmail magic to get some bottles of scotch and a new microscope for the camp. Ethan, what did you think about this episode? See, I kind of like this one a lot. I think I liked it more than you did. Um, <laughs> I, I like the chain of favors kind of episodes. This one, they weren't really on like a quest of some kind, but they're kind of wheeling and dealing, kind of trading different services that they could give for like different little things around camp. I, I just find that very fun when they kind of, you know, leverage some stuff to get other stuff. I like their their business acumen in that sense. I always find these kind of stories that they do to be just a fun, good time. And all the characters, I think, are really fun in this one. Like, it wasn't a super standout one, but it is just, like, one that I enjoyed watching. Yeah, this one seemed a little directionless for my taste. Mm-hmm. I think I get that. I get that. It definitely had, you know, a type of plot kind of thing and like you said it was a, it was like a series of favors which I think works and we've seen it before and I've liked those episodes before. This one felt just a lot looser almost. Um mm-hmm. like they were kind of just having fun and i like the slice of life kind of aspect of this episode too it's almost like it happened one night but a lot less serious where it's just like oh this this is kind of just the daily goings on in this camp um so i i didn't not like it but it definitely wasn't my favorite episode this one clicked for me a lot more than it happened one night it felt like everyone was more in like the groove of being these characters again like uh it felt bj was more established colonel potter was more like just kind of in the shoes of being the ceo and it kind of just being a bunch of silly stuff happening is something that I'll I always like in this show like it's it is a sitcom at the end of the day and like the comedy worked for me so this episode worked for me you know what I mean yeah I definitely had a couple laughs in this episode it wasn't just completely devoid of any humor or enjoyment for me it's just for sure was kind of kind of just a regular episode of mash for me so let's get into this episode it starts out as we always love with a poker game. <laughs> yes, and I of course. I liked that BJ was kind of getting into the poker game because um, this is the first one that we've really seen BJ in. So that was kind of, that, that was cute for me. I really liked that. One thing that I know I just said that I enjoyed this episode more than you. But one thing that kind of bothered me in this episode is that there's a plot centered around this one character, Kimball, who's like leaving the camp. And the way they talk about him in this scene, they talk about him like he's a known entity, like he's a he's a guy who's been in the show before mm-hmm. and has like a prominent character. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this man before. I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, I think that... um not spoilers, I guess, but just uh, just know from, you know, knowing where the show is going. 
I wish that they had started exploring the more side characters, the non-main characters, a little bit more in these earlier seasons. Um, because they kind of get there a little bit in the latter part of the show. But mm-hmm. in these earlier seasons, they kind of just have these guest stars and they're supposed to be have been there for a while and are either going home, like in this one, or they are just... We're just supposed to, you know, suspend our disbelief and be like, oh, okay, this guy's Mm -hmm. been here before. But in the later part of the show, we get a little bit more of these characters being on screen. So I know what you mean. And also, like, watch out for that, I guess. (laughs) We'll, We'll get a little bit more. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. But in this episode, this character is kind of like uh, Morgan Freeman's character in the Shawshank Redemption. He's like a guy who knows how to get things, um, <laughs> which I thought was fun to uh, to see. Um, and I just wish we saw like more of him because he's got this whole crazy thing that he wants to do. Like he's going home and his like plan for the episode, kind of what sets everything in motion is instead of getting on a plane or a helicopter to go home, he wants to get on a boat because apparently over the, the years of service he's had, uh, he's stolen enough uh, supplies to start like a restaurant in the States, <laughs> which I thought was insane. But I, I greatly enjoyed that kind of just wacky nonsense that, uh, you know, that, that radar building a Jeep kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed that, even though it made literally no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. He, for a little bit of context, he's trying to go home on a boat and he's trying to get Hawkeye and BJ and a mysterious third doctor. Um, Who to, could it be? <laughs> to sign a, a form basically saying that he can't fly. He actually needs to go home on this boat. Like it's a necessity to get all of his supplies that he's apparently acquired over the years <laughs> um, back to the States. And so that kind of sets the plot in motion a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say this is like really the central plot, which is where I was kind of like, okay, this is a lot Mm -hmm. more of a loose structure than we've seen previously. Because right after this scene where Hawkeye and BJ are like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. Sure. About getting another doctor to sign the form. We get this scene where um, we'll we'll give the backstory in a in a second, but we get this scene where uh, their microscope is stolen from the lab or what wherever they are, and BJ is like, oh, "Okay, I know who I can go to to steal another one for me or steal mm-hmm. it back or whatever." And I I kind of liked that Kimball stole stuff for himself, but also it's established that he steals stuff for the unit as well because he says to BJ when BJ approaches him, like, do you know how hard it is for me to steal the one that we had? It was it was just a very funny thing and it, it kind of endeared me to this character a lot because I was like, oh, okay, so he's like profiting off of the war, but also he's doing a good thing by stealing the stuff that they need for the hospital too. <laughs> It all evens out if your intentions are good. If you, if you know, you do a little <laughs> bit of charity amongst your piracy, then it's all, it all comes out in the wash. Um, <laughs> I, I did like how they tied in Kimball into this kind of plot with them needing a microscope. Like, but again, more loose than I think we're used to. Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of offhanded. They don't 
desperately need this microscope. It's not like previous episodes where like they needed an incubator or something. No one's life is on the line, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh man, we don't have the thing that would be nice to have. And I, I did like that this was, again, kind of a questy, do me a favor and I'll help you out kind of thing. So I, I enjoyed that. And let's talk about why they need a microscope, because this was this was kind of odd, but kind of a through line throughout the episode. <laughs> this was so odd. Okay, so this is this is what I was talking about before for context of the microscope. So I guess I should also back up and say there is sniping going on. Like there is oh, yeah. apparently I think it's established that there's like civilian snipers that are mm-hmm. kind of besieging the camp um and so colonel potter calls hq and hq sends these british soldiers to come to the camp for whatever reason like i don't really understand what these guys were supposed to be doing um they were not protecting them at all (laughs) well yeah exactly so like i will we'll get to it in the end but really these guys did absolutely nothing and i don't really understand why they were there at all like in context for the story or like just for (laughs) for like the narrative purpose of it and also for like the writing purpose of it where why were they there (laughs) because we needed to have something happen to establish that the doctors do weird favors (laughs) off the books and i guess the weird favor that this british doctor has uh hawkeye and bj do um that like leads them to discover that the microscope is missing and kind of sets off the little bit of plot that's in this episode (laughs) he needs an ingrown toenail like fixed and apparently that's a huge deal specifically for the British army. And I'm not saying it isn't, but I was just like, huh, I wonder why that's like, please keep this a secret. Please keep this off the books. And like even Colonel Potter's like, oh, I've seen more British toes in my life than I have American rumps. So it's just like <laughs> a thing, I guess. I don't uh, like are British people just prone to ingrown toenails. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> It was so strange. It was just so strange. And Hawkeye and BJ are like, yeah, sure, we'll take care of this for you. We won't put this in your personnel file. Like, don't even worry about it, because apparently he's going to get in a lot of trouble for his, like, foot care. I don't know. I haven't, like, I'll have to do some more research on this to see if this was, like, a thing. Maybe the British just took trench foot really seriously after World War World One. War I. I don't Maybe. know. And like, I mean, not to not to get into detail, but I know ingrown toenail is not a very like complicated procedure. I don't know why it's something that needs to be like completely off the books. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he could probably dig it out himself. Like, uh, I I don't know. (laughs) But he has... I, I could see why he would want it to be taken care of as well, because it, I'm sure it's uncomfortable if you're a soldier and you're, you know, like walking on it all day and, and whatnot. But I don't know. Yeah, it, w- it was just a weird thing. But like you said, they are in the midst of taking out this ingrown toenail from this guy. And that's when they find the microscope is stolen. And that's kind of where we leave off with that plot line until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um But this is not the only favor that Hawkeye and BJ do for someone in the army at this point in this episode. Um, Because as BJ is about to take out this toenail, Colonel Potter calls Hawkeye away and says that a colonel wants to see him. um, Because apparently Hawkeye worked on some of his men who got wounded and he's there to see them. 
And this is where we are introduced to who I called Tank Colonel, because that's who he is. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know his name either. (laughs) His real name is uh, Colonel Griswold, but (laughs) I will be referring to him as Tank Colonel because I think that's funnier. He is in command of, like, the tank rigid. I don't don't really know. He's, like, a tank Mm -hmm. commander. Tank Colonel is objectively much funnier. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this was... Also kind of weird. Like, this made more sense to be off the books than uh, an ingrown toenail. But this guy, his problem is that I guess they don't really ever say what it is. Because I don't think they're allowed to say it in this time period on a PG show. But it's it's heavily implied that he has, like, some form of STD. And, like, needs penicillin to, to clear it up. And he's like, please, keep this off the books. I'll do anything. And that kind of snowballs into this crazy climax that we'll get to eventually. But going from one weird ailment to another, this was a very, uh, very odd episode just in terms of things that have happened. Yes, and this makes a lot more sense, like you said, why the colonel would kind of want this to be off the record. Because that's a very private kind of sensitive matter. But... Mm -hmm. I have to ask you, did you know, like, right off the bat that that was what the problem was? Because I had to look it up because I was <laughs> so confused. I was so... I had to go on the MASH wiki the MASH for this wiki. episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, wait, why are they giving him a shot in the ass? I don't get it. Like, what... <laughs> what? Because they were kind of dancing around it, just, like, implying, yeah. like you said, that it was that it was some kind of STI or STD. And I was like, okay, so are they going to tell me what's wrong with this guy? Because they were very much talking mm-hmm. in code. And I was like, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm glad that you were confused because I felt stupid. And before we, uh, before we start recording, I did want to ask you if this was supposed to be an STD. So that's how confused I was. But, you know, over the course of the episode, they don't come out directly and say it, but they lay it on thick that it's a, a something he got from being particularly friendly is, I think, how mm-hmm. they phrase it. Okay, and, okay. you know, I am, I'm not super familiar with the, the world of STDs and STIs. So I'm like, <laughs> what? What did he have that he needed a shot of penicillin in his butt? I guess we'll, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I was very, I like I said, I was just very confused by all the coded language that they were using. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a lot of it, I was just waiting for them to say exactly what was wrong with him. Um, mm-hmm. Because Hawkeye, it seemed like right off the bat when this colonel said, hey, can, can I talk to you? It's like a sensitive thing. I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe it's like, I don't even know. I was like, maybe it's <laughs> something, but I did. Yeah. My mind did not hop immediately to STIs, and that's where Hawkeye seemed to go. And I was like, huh? <laughs> so, well, I'm glad we're on the same page here. Yes, I I think this is a side effect of Mash being kind of more adult than a lot of sitcoms tend to be. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they wanted to to have this plot line where this guy had this thing going on. But maybe like the censors like wouldn't allow them to directly say like a specific uh, STD STI. Um, so they had to like really be colorful about it. Yeah, I guess they kind of couldn't say you know please clear up my crabs or whatever he had. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> um, so Hawkeye very willingly gives this uh, Colonel 
the penicillin. He's like, I will keep it uh, wrapped up. Don't worry. <laughs> wrapped up. That's so funny because <laughs> he didn't wrap it up. <laughs> That's why he got the STD. That's funny. Anyway. Um, we got jokes here, people. <laughs> jokes. Um, that was vulgar. Anyway, <laughs> Hawkeye says, you know, like mum's the word for this. He, he's not going to he's not going to yeah. put it in the official report or a- anything like that. His official. Yeah, records. it's implied that he's done this like a thousand times. Yeah. So then there's this final big scene that kind of brings all of these storylines back together. And I want to transition us into that. So (laughs) we start off with Margaret and Frank playing cards. And I thought that that was actually a really cute scene. Like Margaret just, Mm -hmm. uh, Margaret kind of getting one over on Frank and being better at cards than him and them kind of just like having a sweet little moment. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was very adorable. I swear, like, this is one of the only times we've actually seen them like hang out like as a a couple like normal people. Because a lot of the times when they're when they're on a date, the little bit that we see, it's very quick to to them getting to like more physical stuff. But this is just them having a good time together and i did like seeing that a lot it was like oh that's that's like a nice thing um i'm surprised that frank kind of agreed to that and even (laughs) he was like when other people were coming into margaret's tent uh he was freaking out like oh maybe i should hide and margaret was like oh we're not doing anything he's like oh you're right we're not which was just just (laughs) a funny like play on the way things normally uh work out (laughs) Yeah, they were just acting like normal people, and that's not something you usually see from the two of them. So that that was kind of cute and refreshing. Um, and I kind of like the foreshadowing of what will happen in the end of this mm-hmm. episode, with Frank kind of uh, being almost jealous of Margaret being kind of enamored with this tank colonel guy um, in the mm-hmm. beginning scenes. So I thought that was pretty adorable foreshadowing (laughs) i don't know how adorable it is but definitely like you know scary foreshadowing actually with what happens (laughs) sorry i'm like rambling i don't even know what i'm saying no it's fine it's fine um i like that too that this was like the only time that frank actually acknowledges that any man in power coming into the camp margaret's immediately like fixated on this is like the one time that he's kind of realized that and been like jealous of it and it's like become a thing later on in the episode. So like that was actually kind of cool to see that it, it does escalate. <laughs> it was the catalyst for this really crazy thing that's about to happen. Yes, it is very much the catalyst. It, it escalates <laughs> into something uh, truly deranged and I don't know how they uh, even film this budgetarily, but we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> Um, before we get to that, though, like you said, Hawkeye and BJ come into Margaret's tent while Frank and Margaret are playing cards, and they ask Frank to be the third signature on this form for Kimball so that he can have the boat home, and Frank kind of knows what his, like, thing is, why he wants to be on the boat, um, instead of in a plane, and I thought that it was actually pretty bold of Hawkeye and BJ to say to Frank, hey, yeah, we want you to sign this under mm-hmm. false pretenses. Like, we're we're forging this so that we can get a microscope. Just do it. And I thought it was kind of crazy that they actually thought that that was going to work. Like, in what world I mean, yeah. was Frank Burns doing that? <laughs> it's not going to happen. That is true. Maybe they thought that his, uh, his humanity would come out when they said that, hey, we're trying to get a microscope specifically and not just trying to, like, have a good time with our buddy, our poker buddy. But 
Frank's like response to this of being like, oh, why do we have to worry about the wounded and the sick people and the blah, blah, blah. There's so many other people <laughs> in this war. And I'm like, this is like peak Frank. We say that every week. I think that every, uh, the new thing is peak Frank. But this specifically is peak Frank where he's like, oh, well, you know, who cares? Who cares if we can't do our jobs? There are other people in this war who, who fight in tanks, let's say, perhaps. <laughs> Yes, he is very much just like peak, like you said, peak Frank Burns here. This is the epitome of just Frank being who he is, just very annoying. Like, who cares about that these guys just happen to get wounded? Meanwhile, he is a literal doctor, but okay, sure, my guy. <laughs> but after Frank refuses to sign, Hawkeye starts going off on Frank a little bit for those comments about, you know, like, who cares about the wounded? Um, and BJ is trying to calm him down a little bit. And then they storm out of Margaret's tent. And I really liked this exchange between Hawkeye and BJ because I still feel like the writers are establishing that BJ is a different character than Trapper was. Mm -hmm. Because I truly feel like Trapper and Hawkeye in this scene would have just kind of played off of each other and egged each yeah. other on to have them both really be ragging on Frank. And BJ is trying to like, calm Hawkeye down and be the peacemaker a little bit. And so he seems more willing to be nicer to Frank. And I thought that it was just a very interesting dynamic there, like really kind of hammering home to the audience that, okay, this guy is not just like Trapper's stand-in. He yeah. is a different character with a different personality. No, I definitely love this scene a lot. This is probably my favorite normal part of the episode before the, uh, the insane <laughs> climax. Because I feel like Trapper would literally never in a million years try to calm Hawkeye down over this. Like, he absolutely would kind of mm -hmm. build it up more so. Which I, I like that they are very organically saying that BJ is a very different person. And it was just, it was nice to see. Yeah, and I, I thought that it was also interesting and also true in context of the series itself that... Hawkeye says, hey, listen, I, I've been dealing with Frank a lot longer than you have. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, so it makes sense that Hawkeye would be a lot more fed up with him. But yeah. I did still, I still liked how BJ is kind of eh, this like peacemaking kind of guy, which yeah. is for sure his character more and more as you get to know him. So That's I liked, I liked this little, this little interaction about who BJ is. It was very cute. I, I do like that. And uh, when they go outside and kind of vent about Frank, they get shot at. And uh, <laughs> I don't think we mentioned this, but the reason why they, they did the ingrown toenail removal is to get bottles of scotch. And their bottles of scotch during the sniper fire both get shot at. And I felt like that was just the... Uh, the civilian Korean just being mean. They're, like, I imagine they saw that and were just like, you know what? You can't have scotch. Get out of here. <laughs> but, okay, so to back up just a little bit, um, the British officer comes by in a Jeep, hands them this scotch, and they're like, woohoo, we have scotch. And then he just drives off, and then the sniping starts again. And what, what kind of just kills me about this whole thing is that the British officers were there 
to prevent the sniping somehow. Yeah. And they didn't do anything. And then this guy just gives them the scotch and drives off. And then the sniping happens. What? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's it was so... I, I think a lot of this episode is, is kind of pointless humor, you know, hap- happening. Like, everything's kind <laughs> yeah. of pointless and nothing has, has real stakes to it. But this is a real, like, moment of, like, okay... What what was the point of any of this then? If we're just <laughs> driving off and they don't even get their scotch, they they don't even get to I enjoy know. it. It's just shot at and destroyed, and they're like, "Oh well." <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was upsetting for them. And then they have to take cover under a jeep, and then somehow they get into Colonel Potter's office while the sniping is still going on. And Colonel Potter's like, hey, listen, I did all I could. I got these British officers who literally didn't do anything. I don't know what else to tell you. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, and what? Like, how did this even... I don't even remember how they actually got the sniping to stop. Okay, okay. Oh, so yes, the- I do remember. I do remember. Like, so, okay. so stupid. Oh, my God, okay. It's like in my notes, like one bullet down. I'm like, how did this happen? What? So this is kind of where it all comes, starts to starts to come full circle. Hawkeye decides that he needs to call in this favor because Colonel Potter says, we need a tank here to really uh, scare these people into stop, like not shooting at us anymore. So Hawkeye calls in the favor to the tank colonel. And I loved how they're in the middle of getting shot at and Hawkeye's on the phone with tank colonel and he says, hey, listen, we could really, like, I, I'm calling in this favor. I, I kept your uh, VD under wraps. So can you please help me out here? And the guy was like, mm, nah, I'm busy. So we had to blackmail him and say, hey, listen, uh-huh. I'm going to put all your stuff out into the world, out into the open. So get your tank here. <laughs> Which I, I think is so funny. But they're just like, oh, we'll have a tank as intimidation. We won't actually use it. It'll just be here and that will scare everyone off. That's very like on brand for the the medical branch of the military. And I guess it works because as soon as they have this tank, it kind of stops immediately. And this guy, it continues to be blackmailed because at first he's only giving it to them for 24 hours. Then Hawkeye says that actually his medical records were destroyed, so don't worry about it. He's like, oh, you could have it for a week. And then (laughs) we get uh, the most crazy climax in this show that I think we've had up to this point, where Frank, trying to be a macho, macho man and impress Margaret, gets into the tank and starts driving it around. And Margaret, like a big dummy, just keeps walking in front of it and doesn't like <laughs> get out of the way at all. And she's freaking out. And and Frank doesn't know how to how to drive it or stop it or anything. And he does more collateral damage to the camp than <laughs> anyone else has ever done to the camp. And this was a moment of like, I think that Frank should be dishonorably discharged for this little incident. I was shocked that this man. <laughs> Did not get court-martialed for this. They were trying to court-martial Henry for assisting, uh, like, pregnant North Korean women mm-hmm. trying to escape <laughs> gunfire and war. But Frank, like, basically steals this tank that can do a ton of damage and, in fact, did do a ton of damage. He almost squished Margaret. He almost squished <laughs> a bunch of uh, women in the shower. He almost squished Hawkeye, BJ, Klinger, Radar, all these guys playing poker again. And like, and nothing happens to him. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Frank Burns, what the hell? 
he destroys several tents. Like, multiple tents are just gone now. And it was so funny watching this. And, like, BJ does, like, a whole roll out of the... He does a somersault (laughs) out of the tent. It's so funny. (laughs) And, you know, watching this from a production perspective, I'm like, how did this show afford a tank? Where did they get the tank from? (laughs) Because I know normally when you get, like, military equipment, it's because the military is like, yeah, you could have it. Like, you kind of promote the army via the show. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that this story with how incompetent that everyone is and the fact that they get it through blackmail of of a venereal disease particularly shows the army in a kind light. So I'm like, where did they where did they acquire this tank to destroy most of their set uh with? <laughs> it was definitely interesting. I would I would really like to know how they acquired this like mass tank um just like to roll around and and crush stuff. In fact, he almost crushes Colonel Potter as well. And mm-hmm. uh, to to me, that's insane that Colonel Potter was just like, well, Frank, that was bad. <laughs> they fully demolish an actual Jeep in this yes. episode. It was insane. How crazy. And I loved it. Like this, this one ending took this episode from like a middling, like it's fine episode to like an absolute just absurd masterpiece. Like this is on the <laughs> level of when they, they uh, in the second episode, fly Henry's desk out of his office. Like, I just <laughs> love this absurdity. Yes, it was very funny. And then when Frank kind of gets control of the tank and is eventually able to stop it, I loved when everyone started, like, throwing stuff at him. They were just mm-hmm. like, boo! Like, just like a bad performance of just, like, chucking stuff at him. Because he could have done real damage. He could have killed somebody. He killed and- many people. <laughs> I don't understand Margaret here because she's like comforting him and I don't know about her, but I would have dumped his ass after he almost squashed me with a tank. <laughs> I I would have done the same. <laughs> but like I said, this has all come full circle because Hawkeye and BJ say, oh, well, Frank was actually this big hero. The tank got out of hand and started up itself started going everywhere and Frank heroically jumped onto the tank to try to stop it. And Colonel Potter's like, okay, sure. All right, sure. I don't care. (laughs) And then they get Frank to sign the piece of paper that allows Kimball to go home via boat. Mm -hmm. So we get a full circle plot moment. Everything's great. Everything is, (laughs) everything has... Everything just works out in the end. Nice little bow on it, I suppose. And (laughs) yeah, I think this was maybe my favorite like insane ending for this show so far. (laughs) Even though I'm not a huge fan of this episode as a whole, this ending I will absolutely look up and watch on YouTube just whenever I'm bored. It's funny because I was a little bit unfamiliar with this episode, like the first part of the episode, and then they started mentioning the tanks, and I was like, oh, I know where this is going, and Mm -hmm. it jogged my memory, and I was like, oh, I remember this episode now. It's very funny. So, Ethan, do you have any favorite lines from this episode? I do. There's one that is not a particularly funny line, but I noted it down because of the way this uh, this actor performs it. And this was the British man during his, like, toe procedure, and they realize the microscope is gone, 
and he's like saying uh, that like, oh yeah, there's been a rash of stealing going on. I just lost two machine guns in a tea cozy last week. And he says that so flatly as if those two <laughs> things are of equivalent value. You, Two machine guns and a tea cozy, those are two different scales of object being stolen. You have a problem if your machine guns got stolen, good sir. No one cares yeah. about your tea cozy. <laughs> Just like the guy who lost two bodies last week, I would say right. that, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not the best. The only line that I wrote down um, will not come as a surprise to you, but it was a very throwaway line where in the beginning they're playing poker and then someone says, oh, it's light out. And so they're all kind of disbanding for the night. And <laughs> Father Mulcahy gets up from the table and says, can I interest anyone in a mass? And Hawkeye goes, of what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That that one got me. I liked that one a lot. I have another one that's a, a Hawkeye favorite where Colonel Potter's saying like, oh, all these English people are coming in. And Hawkeye's like, oh, I love England. England's the only place where a young boy can still dream of being the queen one day. And I'm like, oh, that is, that's a delight. That's a, that's a Hawkeye special right there. I liked that one too. So Vanessa, do you have any trivia for us in this episode? I do. I actually have a lot of trivia about our guest stars in this episode. So, Bruce Kirby played Sergeant Kimball in this episode. Bruce Kirby was born Bruno Giovanni Quidacciolo, which is a very Italian name, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing it right. (laughs) That is perhaps the most Italian name we've come across yet. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) He was born in 1925, and he is a native to New York. Kirby is best known as a character actor, that guy, as, you know, Ethan likes to call them. (laughs) Yes, yes. And has been in dozens of popular TV shows spanning across decades. Um, Some of those include I Dream of Jeannie, Bonanza, and Hogan's Heroes. His most notable roles were in six episodes of Kojak and nine episodes of Columbo. We love Columbo alums, baby. (laughs) Other appearances include The Rockford Files, Mission Impossible, Night Court, Punky Brewster, Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, Murphy Brown, The West Ring, The Sopranos, and Scrubs. Kirby also had small roles in several films, including Catch 2022, 2022, Catch 2022, the reboot, the reboot, including Catch 22, the original Muppet movie, which I think that, yeah, you've seen. Big fan. He's also in Stand By Me, Mr. Wonderful, and the Academy Award winning movie, Crash. Oh, wow. Okay. A lot of opinions on Crash, but go on. (laughs) Most notably for us, Bruce Kirby was the father of Bruno Kirby, who appeared in the pilot episode of MASH. Most notably for us, Bruce Kirby was the father of Bruno Kirby, who appeared in the pilot episode of MASH. And the father and son duo also appeared in an episode of Columbo together. That's very cool. And Bruce Kirby passed away very recently in January 2021 at the age of 95. Oh, that's a good run. Very good run. So... Our next guest star is Ted Hamilton as Lieutenant Chivers, a.k.a. the British officer. Mm -hmm. Ted Hamilton was born in 1937 in Australia and is a singer, songwriter, composer, actor, playwright, and entrepreneur. That is the most multi-hyphenate man I've ever heard of. (laughs) Hamilton began his singing career in the 1950s and gained success in Australia by singing in bars, nightclubs, and live on radio. His best-known single was a cover of the U.S. band Travis and Bob's song Tell Him No, which reached the top 20 charts throughout Australia. That's pretty cool. 
Hamilton appeared in and provided a lot of songs and vocal talent for well-known Australian commercials throughout the 60s and 70s, and he appeared on a lot of Australian variety shows throughout his career. He also apparently appeared in Australia's very first variety show on New Year's Eve in 1956. Big legacy on this guy. Yeah. Hamilton was also apparently in the world champion squash team playing for New South Wales and Victoria, two states in Australia, and on the Australian team in the 1960s and 70s. In the early 1970s, Hamilton was a leader of the Australia Party, a political party in Australia, if that wasn't clear. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Besides his appearances on variety shows, Hamilton began his career in TV acting as a main character in Division 4, which is an Australian police drama. From there, Hamilton appeared in several guest spots on popular TV shows like The Six Million Dollar Man, The Original Hawaii Five-0, Mission Impossible, and Guinevere Jones. In 2011, Hamilton was appointed Australia Day Ambassador, and in 2013, he was awarded an OAM for service to the performing arts and the community. And an OAM is an Order of Australia, which is an award that honors and recognizes Australian citizens and others for outstanding service and achievements. And Hamilton is, as far as I can tell, still alive today. Uh, He sounds like a real Aussie hometown hero, like somebody just really venerated in his home country. Yeah. Uh, Good for him. Yeah, definitely. And so our final guest star today is Frank Marth, who played Colonel Griswold in this episode. Yes, the tank colonel. Let's (laughs) go. Frank Marth was born in Washington Heights in Manhattan in 1922. He originally worked in radio early in his career and was a disc jockey in New York City and New Jersey radio stations. We love to see it. (laughs) Local man. Marth had guest roles in many TV shows throughout the 1950s and 60s, most notably playing a recurring character in Jackie Gleason's variety show sketch, The Honeymooners, which went on to be The Honeymooners sitcom, which Marth also played a number of different characters in guest roles on that show as well. Had no idea that the Honeymooners started out as a sketch. That's uh, a real piece of TV history right there. Yeah, I actually didn't know that either. Other notable shows Marth appeared in include Perry Mason, The Fugitive, Bonanza, Hawaii Five-0, and Hogan's Heroes, and Gunsmoke, and so many more all before his appearance on this episode of MASH. So much like the other people in this episode, a real kind of venerated TV guy Mm -hmm. kind of has been everywhere. Yes, Marth also appeared in The Six Million Dollar Man, Barnaby Jones, Little House on the Prairie, and he was actually in one of my favorite episodes of Little House on the Prairie, funny enough. Nice. <laughs> he was also in several Marvel superhero shows of the 1970s and 80s, uh, the show Dallas, The Dirty Dozen, and, of course, Trapper John, MD. Of course. We cannot get through, I think, a two-episode block without mentioning Trapper John, MD. <laughs> they just rotated everyone they could, even though... No one has seen that show in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) More, probably closer to like 30 or 40 years at this point. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Marth was also in small roles in several movies throughout his career, including Breakfast at Tiffany's, which he, I think he played an uncredited part. It was very, very small. Um, He was also in Madam X, The Lost Man, Marooned, and Telephon. And Marth passed away in California at the age of 91 in 2014. A lot of good long runs on this cast. We love to see it. Yes, absolutely. So, Ethan, I'm really curious. What is your martini rating for this episode? You know, I had a lot of fun with this one, so it's hard. Um, But I think for the tank ending alone, I have to give it at least a 6 out of 10, maybe a 7. 
because that what is. What are you talking? Like, we do we do out of five. Why do you always do out of ten? Uh, you my consistently, brain works. This is so funny. You consistently go like seven out of ten, and I'm like, we have never done a rating scale out of more than five. And you're like, I thought you were literally gonna say six out of five, and I was like, are you okay? Are you fine here? So, I'm always so confused every time you go seven out of ten. I was like, who the fuck is like, where are we drinking ten martinis? What are you talking about? Oh my god! Okay, okay. Wait, call me out live on mic. Um, no, it's this always episode... just so it always like throws me for a loop every single time. It's so funny. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. This episode is a a six or no a three out of five. <laughs> a three out of five. Um, because of the tank ending alone. If it didn't have that kind of insane ending, I would be like. Two out of five, not very good. But this mm-hmm. one is a lot of fun. I like how everything kind of comes full circle, even though it's deranged how they how they approach it. And I'm sorry that my brain automatically <laughs> goes to the decimal system when I have to rate things. <laughs> um, I agree with you. Um, I'm going a little bit lower and giving it a 2.5 out of 5. This is just a very middle-of-the-road episode for me. Um, still good. Still like, but just like really not anything super special. I did, I did like the tank ending. That was, that was for sure a highlight for me. But if I'm going on Mm -hmm. an objective scale, it's definitely just, just good, but not over the top. Okay. I respect that. And I'm sorry. (laughs) I will try to do better in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I trust you. So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Rirbalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 4, Episode 7, The Bus. But until then, be on the lookout for a madman in a tank invading your shower. (laughs) Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.